friends, welcome back to another stellar episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their sex magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined on this hell-raising finale by our friend and guest host, Carmelita Valdez-McCoy. Hi, friend. Welcome back. We have hit the end of the Hellraiser franchise for now. For now. Of Hellraiser Classique. Even though this is not an old movie. Um, this is the end of the Hellraisers before we get our reboot, which we will be discussing tomorrow. So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, guys, a little business before we dive in with Carmelita here. Please go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. The best way to support the show. We have plenty of amazing sites to show you over there. Lots of fun stuff. We work really hard to try to fill that up for our patrons. Um... If you want to make sure you have an episode every day this month, we've recorded them. But some of them are Patreon exclusive. So again, that's patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. Unleash the full power of the mega marathon uh, over there. The YouTube is filmalchemist. Subscribe there. The email filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials you're on. We would love it if you'd share the hell out of everything we're doing this October uh, for the marathon. Make sure you leave ratings and reviews wherever you find us. It does help out a lot. So thank you in advance for all that. All right. Sorry, I'm incensed. I'm crazed. I felt like I was taking crazy pills as I was watching today's movie, Hellraiser Revelations. It's wild. You go on Letterboxd, right, for this one, or, uh, or Hellraiser Judgment is today. Hellraiser Revelations were yesterday, right? So I went on Letterboxd to see which of my friends had checked out Hellraiser. Check out a lot of reviews. Those movies are hated. Fucking yeah. hated. I understand the <laughs> hatred for Revelations, even though I thought it was an interesting addition to the franchise. Right? I found enough sustenance and meat on the bone, as it were, with Revelations that I enjoyed it. Right? I thought it was a perfectly fine average movie. I did not expect to say this. I fucking liked Hellraiser Judgment a lot. Right now in my rankings, without the new Hellraiser being present, I have it as the fifth best Hellraiser movie. I have it one slot behind Inferno, which it pretty much is doing a version of, and one slot ahead of Bloodlines, right? The space and period piece Hellraiser. Mm -hmm. So to me, this hated entry, the last Hellraiser movie we've had, I think is a top half Hellraiser movie. I found this movie very interesting. I thought we got some really fun visuals. I thought Pinhead had a a grandiose return, right? Pinhead in this one looked a lot better. Yeah. Sounded a, like it just it really worked for me Pinhead in this film and his limited run. The detective story is plenty engaging, right? We get a a serial killer kind of tale, right? Running it down, a man haunted by, you know, these things, facing it down. Um, but where this movie sings to me is this just head on is almost like a fanfic. Like we're really addressing some yes. of the big questions at the heart of the Hellraiser franchise, which in 10 movies, we barely scratched the surface of, right? Alex and I had talked a little bit about the one true loving Christian God's role in all this fucking pleasure seeking. And this movie says, let's go there. And by the end of the movie, I was totally enthralled. I I like sappy mythology, lore-based kind of mm -hmm. stories. I thought that was worth the squeeze alone. 
I really, really liked Hellraiser Judgment, which I did not expect at all based on everyone else in the universe hating the shit out of it. So, Carmelita, open us up with your thoughts on Hellraiser Judgment. I think your fanfic analogy is perfect here. Yeah. And as I was watching this, mm-hmm. first watch, I had never seen this before. I had no idea what to expect. I did not yeah. read a synopsis. I went in cold. Same. Same. Like, let's just give it to me. Let's find out what this is. I read nothing except for people telling me it was dog shit and unwatchable. <laughs> right. And it was really, it was really kind of fun to pick up on all the references Mm -hmm. all of the influences that were clear here and it's like it's like what happens if you take seven Mm -hmm. venture seven and you take the constantine film (laughs) and you mash them together with hellraiser yeah that's that's a great equation that works pretty goddamn perfectly as an equation for this movie (laughs) right and so it's like okay is it as good as the original hellraiser fuck no none of them are is it as good as seven is it as good as constantine like no but but it's all it's like it's this little bubbling cauldron Mm -hmm. of all of these really cool influences yeah thrown together and it's interesting to see how they weave these these themes and images and influences yeah if you are coming into hellraiser judgment expecting earth-shattering cinema i think that's a you problem right Right, exactly again i want to come in and spend time in the hellraiser universe and what that means to me when i'm watching a franchise or a series i want to explore the fucking lore i want to explore the mythology and the icons of the franchise and i was surprisingly hooked right off the bat right when it's just pinhead rolling around the box he just goes obsolete uh i wrote down some of his like little monologue right uh we live in an age where lust can be sated electronically Mm. we need more than a wooden box i was like oh my god they're fucking going right at it right yeah uh technology may have advanced but the sin remains the same Faith is lost. There is a morality vacuum, right? I thought that was fucking awesome, right? It's kind I mean, of the thing we've been dabbling in since yeah. Hellworld, right? Where it's like we've pushed beyond this, right? There, There is a whole new world. So this kind of quaint, I'll go down to a brothel and I'll meet a fucking vagrant and he'll give me the box. That is, we have these immediately sated pleasures, right? The internet has become this place where you can find any dark delights you want right you can get as horrible and and fucking sinful as you want instantaneously mm-hmm. i thought that was fucking awesome yeah i will say to that effect the execution on the we need to modernize our organization still seems pretty fucking quaint because <laughs> we start off in a diddler's apartment with them writing a hand writ or a hand typed out. So they're still using typewriters and writing letters. And yeah. it still feels very old timey and not technologically streamlined. Well, and, but, and that sequence looks very much like seven. Like exactly like seven. The typewriter yeah. and it's got 
you know, that color palette, that kind of dingy color yeah. palette. And it, yeah, it was just screaming seven at me. There, There is a post-Fincher strata around filmmaking, right? Yes. Where a lot of people wanted to make Fincher flicks. Yeah. Um, I wanted to walk through, though, this old-timey, quaint, small family business mm. that is preparing souls <laughs> for something. Um, What did you make of, so now we have... um. What's his name? The not the proprietor. What is the fucking name? I forgot. The auditor. The auditor is the guy who eats. The jury no, are the that's faceless. The assessor. That's the assessor. So we have the auditor, yeah. the assessor, right? The auditor writes down your sins. Right. The assessor comes in and eats them. He makes like a fucking paper salad with children's yeah. tears. <laughs> right? He comes in and eats this shit, regurgitates it out into a bucket. Where these naked ladies in kind of skimpy black underwear with no these face very, skin. Very busty ladies with no face yeah. skin. There's a lot of busty ladies doing work in here, right? <laughs> um, it's like a Hooters, but more scary. By a yeah, little. Yeah. Not a lot. Um, and they just eat the sin vomit out of the trough. Decide your fate, right? right. Then we are introduced to this cleaning crew. That is a giant man in a baby mask. And from his nether regions right like he's like a trojan horse where this gimp suited gas mask person comes out and slices you up your skin off yeah. after these ladies have licked you clean and put their spittle back in your body to cleanse your inside they rip your skin off presumably then you are able to enter the the flesh so we kind of got like a an old-timey car wash set up here walk <laughs> me through this new addition to the lore and the imagery of pinhead's operation here I thought it was it was really interesting to see them take it in the direction of this bureaucracy. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're like a DMV for sinners. Right. Because it that seems like so diametrically opposed to like wanton hedonism. Mm -hmm. The chaos of yeah. giving yourself over to pleasure and pain and and that seems very it just seems like worlds away from bureaucracy from what it's like sitting in a dmv or even worse yeah. the social security office Ugh. yeah this is essentially um like that albert brooks movie but you would call this one defending your kink yeah although it's yeah. not really i mean these are like serious ass crimes these guys are committing but <laughs> it's a but, very yeah defending your life setup it's yeah, it's really it's very interesting. I think yeah. you have the imagery of the how the assessor assesses you. Like he has to ingest Yeah. Your deeds. I I'm with you. The the and opening of this while I'm sitting there going, What the fuck is happening? Mm -hmm. I was captivated. Cause I was like, This is so what the fuck? When that guy started eating the pages with children's and tears and gross. then throwing up and then the busty ladies eating it. And they're just throwing all these new titles yes. and job positions. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I can, at this point, I'm so desensitized to people being flayed alive. Yes. But that guy eating was disgusting. Fucking disgusting. They had this like nasty out. stuff falling out of his mouth. <gasps> He's drooling. My brother Ew. almost threw up on the couch. It was so repulsive. Yes. Uh, but that's what I mean. It's it's interesting. It's it different. Is. It's new. I know the Im immediate reaction is to say it's not as good as the first four Cenobites. Well, no. Nothing has been. 
this was interesting. Why yeah. is this the model that he sets up in his new hell? And as we get to the end where Pinhead is this guy who is no longer feeling like he is in control of his own job and world, right? He's like a middle manager who's getting over micromanaged. And he wants to take that shit back. I think it is really interesting, man. I I fully enjoyed it. And when the detective comes in, right? We've seen this rigmarole of how these guys go through it with the diddler. And he writes all of these fucking sins, right? Killed a dog, blew these people up. Well, you were a soldier fighting for your country. It was allowed. But what did you feel? Mm. The guy comes in with his little children's tears. He's like, I'm ready to eat. He's like, mm, that's a big stack. He starts vomiting this black ooze. The jurors eat it. And they're like, oh. And he just goes, oh, shit, there's trouble, right? The cleaner ladies who are licking him and making him do this fucking whatever, they're found dead. And he runs out with the puzzle box. Then they add this massive what the fuck moment in this scene where he goes into this extra room that is bright white light and this tall beautiful blonde woman in like a fucking white power suit right walks out and just says you gotta let him go he's not for you right we are presumed to imagine that he is an innocent right Pinhead comes in. He's like micromanaging. He comes in. He has a little dab of the paper and he's like, let him go. He'll find his way back to us. We are led to believe that he's innocent. That's not the fucking shocking part. This is the first time in Hellraiser that heaven has fucking announced itself as part of the fucking corporate structure. What did you make of this moment? No, I love this. Love this. I love this. I love this because... I love stories like this where we have to acknowledge. Yeah. If there's light, there's darkness. Yes. If there's good, there's evil. Mm-hmm. These things do not exist independently of each other. They're entwined. Yeah. There is a give and take. There's an ebb and flow. You can't have one without the other. Right. And like, you know, I think the idea that really overly simplistic idea that like vanquish evil good will vanquish evil that's like the 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 ideal outcome but that's not how the universe works yeah gray areas right like our brain is gray matter it's all gray areas right absolutely Um, so yeah the first three movies operate in this almost kind of lovecraftian religion right yeah that there is this labyrinth that looks very much like our minds that at the end, there is no good or evil. There's just flesh and what we're willing to do, right? Um, it's a very meaty kind of thing, right? At the middle of the labyrinth is Leviathan, this box that pulls us in, right? The more we examine, the more we're destroyed, right? By the time we get to part four bloodlines, we're still kind of doing that gimmick. When we get to Inferno in part five, this is where we're like, these are personalized hells, right? This is not a person finds a box and the game begins per se, right? Right. Um, They do find the box and touch it, but this feels very different, right? As we keep going on, now we're playing with this. Pinhead is more of this angry, demonic hellkeeper, right? And me and Alex were talking about it, right? If it's it's kind of the big problem at the the middle of you know Christianity, is that if God is all powerful and all knowing, He created the devil specifically to do what He did. 
and right. you punish us and hurt us. And why do we need to get punished and hurt if he knows that, right? If the moment he creates me, he knows I'm going to be this horrifying sinner. Why go through the fucking pony show? Just don't create me or send me immediately to help. But that's what he, there is this kind of kink, kinkification, right? Of this Christian God. Mm-hmm. He enjoys our suffering. And that sounds an awful lot like the fucking Cenobites corporate motto. Yeah. And to actually put a face on it and say, these fucking entities from hell are here punishing sinners. He has to be aware of that. He has to have some knowledge of that. This has to be part of it. And then we see the angel who he says was the the garden keeper of Eden, right? Who dealt with Eden after the fact, right? I thought that was awesome. And just an obvious fucking addition to this franchise. And that one revelation alone, and we'll save that final showdown till the end. That one revelation alone made this so much more enjoyable than the vast amount of sequels I've already watched. Because again, show me something new. Give me a new point of view. This fucking lit my imagination on fire. And I fucking loved it. No, I get it my friend like it's and this is i mean we've talked about this before in previous episodes i grew up catholic i love catholic imagery and there is something very that old world yeah way of looking at god you know and when you think about like the flagellants believers who used to take um you know, who used to the cat and nine tails and shit. Yeah. And, and whip themselves like, Oh yeah. How, how well does that parallel, Mm -hmm. you know, with, right. With the people who seek out those far reaches of pleasure and pain and it leads them to the Cenobites. Yeah. I also grew up in a really religious area, right. Where we're always taught that. And there is this, Old Testament kind of thing, right? That our our flesh only exists to be corrupt and get us in trouble. Yes. You jerk off, that's a corruption, right? That's a sin, right? You have premarital sex, that's a sin. We are only around to help shuttle in more souls that can then be fucking tortured, even though God knows if they're good or bad. It's this really weird. So the idea that our flesh is a curse is a perfect fucking parallel to run with Hellraiser. Absolutely. Right? And... I, I found that fascinating. And I've always been, I love any kind of horror or science fiction that has religious overtones, right? Because I think if you really study religion a lot, you're like almost every great tragedy that's ever happened always happens under the name of a religion, right? Whether it's a church <laughs> yeah. or politics or a nation, these are all different forms of religion, right? There's yeah. something that let you dehumanize and justify terrible behavior to others. Again, a perfect place for a Hellraiser movie to go. And as we see this teacher figure, right? The serial killer teaching his lessons about biblical uh, adherence, right? Via the Ten Commandments. Even though he kills way more than ten, right? Yeah. I fucking thought that was brilliant. I fucking loved it. I thought that was a wonderful addition uh, to this franchise. Now... The other thing I really liked right off the bat. So they're giving me lots of weird imagery. They put heaven mm-hmm. in the middle of this. Pinhead looks way better. Way better. They drop in the middle of this, this serial killer. I thought the kills in this movie 
or if not the kills, the the remains of the kills, the crime scenes of the kills, were fucking awesome. That scene where that first uh, trollop is found in her apartment, <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought that was amazing. That was one of those moments where, like, I've seen a lot of shit in horror movies, right? You see a lot of yeah. the same kind. I've never seen that shit in my life. So the trollop is all splayed out, right? I am a jealous god with this loop of her. This is my mm-hmm. baby. I love him. I worship him. I worship him. Yeah. And they're like, this seems kind of weird for the, you know, fucking guy to be doing. Like, why is it this killer, right? right. We're getting the inner. What's his name? The pre- Not the proprietor. The-, the preceptor. The preceptor. That's what it is, which is translated to teacher, right? They're the like, this perceptor. is kind of low key for the, the preceptor, the perceptor, whatever. They see the fucking corpse move. They lift it up. There's this massive wound that's been stapled back together. They pull her dog, still alive, from her womb, right? The baby was put in the Mm -hmm. womb, all this immaculate conception kind of fucking, you know, sacrileges. I fucking leaned back on my couch, and I said, that's awesome, too. (laughs) That's the story of me watching Hellraiser Judgment is just going, that's awesome, too. And well, I don't then, want to pretend that these are not awesome. And then they call me out, right? Because in that moment, when the dog is alive, I said, oh, my God, thank God the dog's alive. Oh, my alive. God, yes. Yeah. And then later, when that when the kill is talked about later, mentions it, you know, that people hearing about this murder, the first thing they're going to say is, oh, the poor dog. Poor dog. And I'm like, guilty. He's right. Okay, Guilty here's a real charged. here's a real life story I'll share with you. It kind of fucked me up, Uh-oh. and it it really changed my mindset. Right. Uh huh. So we're at a gas station in L.A. We're filling up the art department truck. Right. It's the end of the day. We're getting snacks. Whatever. There's this homeless guy and his dog right outside of the gas station. So as we're walking by, my buddy's a real good guy, right? And he's just like, "Hey, man, can we get you anything? Like, we don't have cash. Do you want whatever?" He's like, "Yeah, if I could have some whatever." So me and him, we we each got him some waters. Uh, Gatorade and some sandwiches, right? No big deal. You know, a couple bucks, spread the good, right? Help this guy out. No one wants to live like that. Fucking help him out, right? Treat him like human beings. We go outside. We give him all the shit. We're getting back in our truck, and we hear this fucking commotion. This van whipped up on him, right? And they come out, and they start yelling at him. He's screaming, no, help me, help me. So we throw our shit in the truck, and we run back. We're like, what the fuck is happening? So they were sent from the city... Someone had called in a complaint. Oh, no. That his dog was living in inhumane conditions. They sent city employees to take this motherfucker's dog dog from him to then possibly just go to a shelter or be put down, whatever the fuck would happen. They took his dog because they said the dog was living in unsafe conditions. And I'll never forget. It just hit me. I sat there with my jaw open. And my buddy's trying to talk him out of it. And I just go, what about him? Right. What about his fucking conditions? They're like, that's not our job. They fucking forcibly took this motherfucker's dog. His only companion in a world of pain and misery. They fucking took his dog. Because someone saw that and they didn't see him as someone who needed help. They saw the right. dog as someone who needed help. Ugh. And that moment rung so true. Because I was like, I think we do. Yeah. It's harder for us to dehumanize a an animal that we've anthropomorphized yes you know what i mean yeah it's that that fucking breaks my heart but that line really fucking smacked me in the face and brought back that horrifying memory yeah 
Um, but we do, man. We we treat people like trash in this world so often that I think it's just so easy for us to. This gets back to the religious headspace too. If we see something like that, we're like, well, she must have done something to deserve it, but the dog didn't. And I was like, that's right. the fucked up perverse math that we're all doing. This is the modern world that the preceptor is fucking rallying against wrongly. Like, it's not a healthy response. No, no, no. <laughs> but again, similar to Seven, when you hear John Doe in Seven kind of give his spiel, you're like, oh, he's not no. 100% wrong. When he says in Seven, you see a mortal <laughs> sin on every street corner and you don't bat an eye. Right. He's right. I yeah. think the rest of us would argue we didn't decide what sins were. Right. We might be sure. sinning. We're not breaking the law. We're here to have a good time. We're here for a good time, sure. not a long time. Fuck you. Don't put that yeah. shit on me. But in the context of a film where they specifically state is abject truth that the Christian God does exist. Or let me rephrase this. A version of the Christian God that might not match the version that our books right. have created, but the true entity, right, who definitely is going against what the books say about him, right, his propaganda wing. In a world where we have to assume that there is an absolute deity running this show, that fucking crazy John Doe shit hits a little different. Absolutely. Imagine if you found out those motherfuckers, right, all those crazy religious people are always protesting whatever – what if you found out those fucking guys were closer to the truth than you? That would be fucking heartbreaking and mind melting all at the same time. All at the same time. Yeah. It's it's just a fucking huge question that they've added to the very center of this movie that, again, makes every single scene and decision so much more interesting. No, I hear you. It's it. Well, and it's. I think I it is really kind of cool too to think mm -hmm. about it's like you have an updating of the modes of how the Cenobites are going to try to reach people while simultaneously having this let's go let's go back mm -hmm. to like the origins <laughs> the very evil. origin of and, our species, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the relationship between those two things. Let's, yeah. let's go back to creation mm -hmm. while also exploring, like, how how does humanity get to a point of of reaching the Cenobites and, and yeah. interacting with them? Like, it's, it's really interesting. It is. And I think it pays off well in the serial killer story, right? I think it's a pretty telegraphed ending, right? If you yes. watch Hellraiser, you know that whoever our main character is, for the most part, is a person that's pushing it too far and they're going to suffer, right? Um, pretty much from Hellraiser 3 on, right? Because you could say in 1 and 2, it's Kirsty, She didn't really push it. Victim. Part right. 3, the reporter. She's seeking the story, but not the, the plessiers of the flesh, right? Yes. From part 4 on... We are essentially exclusively following people that have it coming, right? And and they're they're on their path in some some way, shape, or form. So I was not shocked at all to find out that this guy was the one twist I thought was going to happen is that I thought the new detective girl was going to be the auditor, 
because mm. she had sunglasses that kind of looked like his goggle glasses. So I thought it sure. was going to be I was afraid they were going to do this as a false reality thing, which a lot of the Hellraiser sequels fall into. Oh, this is all theater of the mind or a video game, which cannot but hurt the movie that is about the fucking flesh. Right. So I love that it wasn't that. But I kind of figured this guy was in on it. Right. Sure. So walk me through your thoughts. As we unfurl the full culmination of this fucking tale, this crime tale that we're on. Yeah. So, you know, what really struck me and I wasn't I wasn't shook by the reveal Mm -hmm. that he's, you know, this this detective who's been our main character is actually the serial killer. That wasn't Mm -hmm. shocking. But. I really liked him. Oh, you liked the main detective. I did. He's kind of a bookworm getting his job done. Yeah. I mean, I love a Dickens reference. This guy's a a fan of Dickens. I'm a fan of Dickens. I did like, I want to see some receipts. Is a tale of two cities really more popular than Harold Potter? I'd like to know. Like, I mean, that's a good question. Stephen King hasn't outsold a tale of two cities at this point. I don't know. But like, I'm a big Dickens fan. So immediately I'm like, I'm like, Hey, I see you. Like, He's, a, he's a learned, educated cop. We all want to believe that's yeah. a thing. He's, um, I liken that scene with the auditor mm-hmm. where he's, you know, answering the auditor's questions. He sees, yeah. like, he gets what's happening there to yeah. a point. Obviously, he doesn't yes. know, like, all the behind the scenes, but it's like the auditor doesn't have to repeat himself and dumb the questions down. And there's like a cool right. inner inner. It, there's a cool exchange between the two of them mm-hmm. where like he'll answer a question. He's just like, get on with it. <laughs> yeah. And then the auditor's like, huh? Thank you for not like, wasting. Wow. Yeah. He's like taking a back. This is the thing, though. When they reveal that he does that. Right. It makes his his induction mm. way more interesting. The auditor yes. being taking pause and be like, hmm. The fact that his penhead says it's not that he was innocent. It's that your deeds were so full of So rancid. They were so rancid and vile that you fucking choked the guy who eats the pages. Like, you fucking choked him to death. That was awesome. So it makes that seem way more interesting. Why is he not more gobsmacked at the thought of being in a a supernatural environment? Yeah, because he knows he's he fully is devoted to this idea of angels and imaginary things already. When he finds out they're not, he's less shocked than he should be. That makes sense. It makes the scenes with his wife way more interesting because mm. him coming home late and bringing her the wrong flowers. You're like, what a piece of shit. Until you realize this is his slow and methodical um, getting his own joy out of watching her suffer more and more. Right. Knowing what's come to her. These minor aggressions. You're like, what a waste of time for the guy who's about to kill her soon enough. I fucking still love that. He wakes up from a nightmare and you're like, what a weird thing to be like, let's just initiate sex. Only to then run out and make yeah. her feel like she's a bad partner that doesn't understand the weight on his shoulders. It makes those scenes better. This is a movie that by making the right choices when they do, I feel like you get this domino effect that travels back through the movie it makes it maybe grander than it is. This movie might be right. have a total that is greater than the sum of its parts to me. 
But I thought it really worked. The idea that the brother has been fucking the wife. You're like, yeah, it's kind of a throw in, but I get it. But there's little hints. There's little hints. You found hints that the the brother was fucking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, because she did call him. She called the brother. And I've seen enough. I've seen enough movies. She definitely looked like a miserable housewife. Where you start getting those like, "Mm, you're a little too close to this other person. Which, you know. My brothers and wife do not talk like that ever. (laughs) Right. Like, Like, yeah, they drop they drop some little hints. Yeah. Nothing that like really like hits you over the head with it, but stuff that when it's revealed, you go, oh, yeah. I think it's cleverly doled out. I really honestly do. Right. Because when we find out it's him and he starts pummeling the new detective, I had a moment like, oh, shit. Like, I didn't expect that. Right. I thought maybe this was a pinhead was going to frame him for this crime Mm. and make an example of him so that he could. There's no better way to meet the meet the masses in today's world than a true crime story, right? Oh, absolutely. So it's yeah. a very good marketing choice, right? So I knew he was going to be involved. I didn't know how. When he hit her, I I gasped. And when the brother comes in and the wife, and he's like, stand it, don't touch her. I was like, oh, shit. Like, he is a great performance, right? He's really yeah. good. And he does the, you know, backup's coming. No, it's not. But someone is. And again, we get into this yeah. weird, he's going to do a deal. That part doesn't really congeal that well. Fine. Yeah, I agreed. What we get is the brother and the sister or the wife, they see Penhead and they're like, ah, fuck. And he goes, your adultery is beneath me. Don't even fucking waste my time. They get dragged. Yeah. I was like, yes, you guys aren't at the edge of plus years, right? No, those are s- small potatoes. You're a rookie. You don't even have your basic pleasure badges on your Girl Scout sash. Mm-hmm. Be gone. And they're dragged out. They're literally thrown out of the story as if they don't matter. And they're the impetus for the serial murders. Love that thrown out right they start talking to this guy this is where the movie to me really fucking settled in that oh my god this is a top half hellraiser movie for me he makes the deal right he's like i'm doing the lord's work i'll give you them let me go back out there and do whatever and pinhead is just like that is not how this works that is not at all (laughs) what's about to happen here right evil seeks evil you have entered my domain You have been judged and you have fucking failed. The angel steps in and wants to stop it. As Pinhead said, I think, right? It's a separate faction that wants you and there is no bargaining with them. Right. You're going to the angels regardless, right? We think to be judged, right? Oh, there's a special punishment for you. Incorrect. The angels want him out there. Yes. committing these biblically themed insidious crimes because as they say if there's evil in the world they need to control it they need the sheep to fear a wolf yeah i thought that was a fucking awesome moment yeah. in the movie i, I the, fucking loved it i love the line sin ordained by heaven yes yes that dude yeah. come on that is awesome Right. And she even does the, you know, good cannot exist without the evil, um, all that stuff. That alone would have been awesome enough for me. Right. They take it up a notch. Again, this is me going, I fucking love it. And I don't want to pretend I don't. What I love <laughs> even more than them saying, you know, sin ordained by heaven. What I like even more 
is Pinhead saying, fuck you. I'm sick of this shit. I do not want to play along, right? Right. So he sends the fucking guy back, right, with pleasure. He feels like he's defeated, right? He is now the fucking middle manager of Heaven's fucking wins, right? That would have been good enough. He comes back to life. The lady detective pops up and awaits him. Now he's back. And right. as he said, because you are, even the angel said, she's like, no, you're a, you're a killer and a deviant and a horrible person. You, you will, will have judged. your, you will be, you will have judgment waiting. And then the little fucking goggle, like, and we'll be there, right? His little like almost Nazi scientist voice. Yeah. We'll be waiting. So Pinhead sends him back knowing he's going to get got so that his fucking judgment can begin, right? The angel starts going in. There will be retaliation. There will be this. You will suffer. And Pinhead fucking snaps. And I kind of wrote some of this down. <laughs> suffer. How dare you use such a word? I welcome its warm embrace. Right? And he starts doing his, like, Pinhead shit. But to an angel. Like right. a right hand of God angel. Like a high up. And he just goes, perhaps it's time for you to learn a little about the affairs you meddle in. <laughs> he fucking hooks the angel. You're just like, oh, shit. Stabs his fucking pens into her forehead, just seemingly to embarrass. He's not hurting her, right? Whatever. Um, and then he just goes, are you the way? Which Pinhead has said like 10 times in the franchise, right? This desecration right. of Jesus's line. And, uh, she, you know, the angel just does like, ah, whatever. I don't care. And he goes, uh, I am all you know now. I am forged in pain and agony. Right. And he just does this like you're mine now, Angel. I'm going to fucking have at you. So all the shit we've seen dropped on the heads of these fucking perverts throughout the entire franchise. He's doing this now to like one of God's top lieutenants, an absolute spitting in the face of the almighty. Right. And he fucking rips her face in half after she says (laughs) that Jesus wept. This is the last Hellraiser we ever got. That's a beautiful (laughs) bookend to part one. Right rips the fucking face off the angel whatever his little henchman's like what oh no what do we do he said i have nothing to fear and the henchman you know does this like there might be something we're afraid of right banishment pinhead's ultimate punishment right pinhead who we've seen through this series get jockeyed around back and forth Mm. takes a stand against the cruel god that's put him in this unwinnable game this game of flesh finally takes his stand and God doesn't save all the people from the serial killer. Doesn't even save the angel. Let's the angel get fucked up to not five seconds later takes Penhead to his own personal hell, which is to be back in the mortal realm as a vagrant. He sits in front of a giant box, which presumably people live in, and he just, uh, the sweet suffering, no. And he's a fucking human again. He's <laughs> mortal. He's just immortal. There's that's, no that's more fucking plus years. He's back. He can go seek down the box and the punishments. He's got to start back from the beginning where all this start. We see him and he's probably like a World War One soldier, right? When Penhead starts. Right. He's got to go all the way back. Now he's just another guy seeking pleasures. And maybe we'll never be allowed to have them. He might have to live as a mortal in this world with no pleasures. God's ultimate punishment at the end of this 10 movie arc might be to make pinhead to where the best it can be for him is to be a suburban square. I can't imagine he can jerk off. He can have sex. He can get drunk. He can smoke (laughs) cigarettes. He has no fucking joy coming to him. He's going to exist in a 
pleasureless flesh. His flesh will become a tomb and a curse like the Christian mythology wants us to think. And I'm not here to fucking pretend. It's awesome. This movie is fucking <laughs> awesome. I'm not going to sit here and fucking debate people on it. That ending is fucking righteous. People will tell me that Hellseeker, which is the worst Hellraiser movie by a mile, is good because of the ending. The ending of this movie is fucking 100 times better and more gratifying and interesting. I'm not here to lie that this movie isn't awesome. What do you make of all that? I kind of went on a long monologue there. I'm sorry. No, I, love I didn't it, let though. you jump in about your uh, it, pinhead versus the angels. You and God. needed. You I needed, needed to, to get put it out. that out there. I feel a responsibility to take the the head of the phalanx, fighting the hordes of <laughs> monsters that do not appreciate Hellraiser Judgment. I think this is a legitimately awesome movie and a great entry into the franchise. So what what did you make of Pinhead versus Angel versus God? So. Sorry. I really, <laughs> I, I did enjoy their showdown yeah. and, and, and Pinhead standing up and being like, no, fuck that. This is my realm. You know, I really yeah. enjoyed that. Awesome. I, I like that. Um, it's kind of cool for you get this contrast and and in that scenario pinhead the purity of pinhead the purity of the cinnabites there is no hypocrisy with them like it is what it is this is what we do yeah um versus the hypocrisy of an agent of heaven mm -hmm. that would knowingly send out yeah this killer as Back she says earlier in that room full of light, the first time we see the angel, mm -hmm. she says there are rules to this game. Right. So not only is she breaking the rules, or God is, also the fact that we're just calling this a game right. totally takes the piss out of everything Pinhead is about. Totally. Totally. So I really enjoyed that. Now, Pinhead's punishment, I think mm -hmm. the idea of it is very cool. Yeah. The visual execution was a little cheesy to me. So I agree with you there. This is it, still low budget horror territory. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the yeah. idea of it I thought was really cool. And I think it's better than the other said, movies where we usually see him just, no, and he's blown up or sucked in the box. Right. I like seeing him try. I agree with you. Visually, this movie is lacking at times, right? I feel yeah. like there are scenes where they really put their mind to it and are visually arresting. This final shot is not among them. <laughs> right. So I but agree with you on that. To your point, the idea behind it and like what it says about, about humanity mm -hmm. is really interesting and really cool. Yeah. And, yeah. and does like make sense when you think about what the Cenobites are about. Mm-hmm like what their existence is and the role that they've played, how do you punish the punisher? Like how do you punish yeah. the torture? The man who lives in agony and torment. Right. You see this. Is, so not only what it says about humans, but what it says about God. Mm -hmm. So this man has been on this path 
for a long time. He's sent back to just be a pleasureless human. Yeah. For all of his journey to the far edges, to where he went from, you know, military man to the fucking face of agony, the face of torture yeah. and pain, as he says, right? To just be back there in a hoodie on this street. I'm assuming pleasureless. I'm assuming this guy can get no gratification and will just walk the earth forever as a a pleasureless vessel. Watching other people b- pursue the pleasure in the flesh, and he can't, right? He'll just bear witness. Sure. What that says about him and God, right? For this this franchise to come all the way back to Pinhead being just put back. All that yeah. shit was for nothing. All of those sights and everything you've seen are for nothing. And you will still be an empty husk that can get no pleasure. Is fucking startling. Yeah. And the fact that God didn't. Okay, so here's my big fan theory before tomorrow's episode. I wonder if Pinhead in the new movie could possibly be the angel from this movie. Oh. Right. So we're recording this in September, early September. So if that comes to fruition, you're welcome. You heard it here first, folks. I'm assuming that they threw out <laughs> a lot of the Hellraiser sequels before Probably. this new one. That would be cool, though. It that be angel cool. becomes the new fucking hell priest, right? It's a good idea. That would be awesome. But just this whole like rotating who's in charge and who gets to do what. Pinhead realizing that he is not the face of pain. That right. he is just another fucking middleman doing this other deity's work. And that it might not matter or have... He has no artistic integrity as a fucking ripper of flesh. I just thought that was cool, man. The idea that yeah. the last image we might see of Hellraiser is Pinhead back on Earth is just wonderful. I thought the serial killer story was wonderful. I thought the new House of Horrors was wonderful injecting the angels was wonderful tackling the big religious question i'm not here to lie you know this movie might be better than inferno i might jump it up another notch (laughs) i don't know if it can jump hell on earth to me but me i'm not here to lie why did everyone watch this movie and just say it was dog shit right again i get it with revelations that movie has a lot more warts than this this is a perfectly efficient engine that gets us to really big fun head spaces with the Hellraiser mythology. What the fuck else did you people want from this movie? I'm literally fucking baffled as to why anyone would just, <laughs> even if you just said it was all right, but raw hatred for this movie. How have you watched nine other Hellraiser movies, got to this one, and you're like, that sucks? If you don't like Hellraiser, I get it. If you sure. like these movies, how could you not be entertained? I, I, I don't, don't know. Get it. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I wonder. I wonder if for some folks it's just hard to see because it's so kind of low budget, and that's sure. I mean, that's clear. Like it, the that movie might, doesn't hide that. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I mean, there's no hiding that. And I, I wonder. But you know what's interesting is like compare this with with Revelations. Like Revelations obviously also had a small budget. And they did the kind of things that's customary to do when you have a small budget. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, one or two settings. Yep. Very, 
you know, small cast, do the found footage thing. Yep. Like some of those, those tricks of the trade <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> to maximize a small budget. Yeah. Whereas this, I think took some big swings. Yeah. Especially considering that they don't have, you know, they don't have yeah. a, a Constantine budget. They don't have a seven no. budget, but they're doing some of those. Yeah. They're trying to do some of those same kind of visual things. Yeah. On a, so interesting. I don't see right off the, the finger of what I'm looking at. What the, the budget for this was $350,000, right? $350,000. So that's not nothing, but let's see. So Hellraiser, let's just say Inferno, right? Straight to video, also low budget, $2 million, right? So Hellraiser right. Inferno, which runs very parallel with this, a yeah. direct-to-video sequel, $2 million, right? Almost seven times the budget yeah. that this movie would have, six, seven times the budget. Is Hellraiser Inferno wildly more efficient and how they deliver our examination of the Hellraiser universe than judgment. I would say the exact opposite, right? This one does not, this, this movie while having constraints of a small production has big mm -hmm. fucking ideas, big ideas. That's what you fucking want. The, the storyline and narrative of the Hellraiser series is altered and changed from the moment this sequel hits on. Hellraiser Inferno could get plucked out and have no fucking effect on the franchise right, no whatsoever. Impact. Literally no impact. It's just another version of the same thing. This movie has impact. And I think that's important, right? When you're on your, especially on your 10th fucking sequel, oh, to have sure. maybe the biggest fucking storyline beat since part three? I, I don't know. I, I am shocked. I think we as horror community um, maybe need to have a little punishment for ourselves as a community. <laughs> I think right now, over the last five, ten years, have been such a new golden age of horror. We get so much amazing horror, right? Great large budget horror. Great no budget horror. We have mm -hmm. great streaming services like Shudder that bring us old horror movies that could have been lost. And we've never had access to, but now we're at our fingertips, right? Yeah. And originals. Originals. We have high art horror. We have down in the muck horror. We have kind of fan love letters to horror. We have so much good horror everywhere that I think sometimes we we so callously throw away these movies and just shit on them. And we don't stop and appreciate how nice it is to have another really good Hellraiser sequel. Right? I think we have grown uh, soft and gluttonous as a community. Mm. That's my theory why we didn't appreciate Hellraiser. I, I honestly don't understand. You know it's a Hellraiser sequel. You know it has a small budget, right? You know there's going to be some bumps on the road. Sure. How could you not find this an interesting addition to the franchise at large? I think that's fucking crazy. And Pinhead looks awesome. Because Revelations, I, I get it. If you immediately are like, I can't do this pinhead, I understand. I just, I feel like this one hits across the board everything I like about Hellraiser, sure. horror, and deep sequels. I think it really fucking checks all the boxes for me. Well, I'm going to say a thing is probably going to piss some people off, but that's Yeah, fine. do it. They need it. They need it. Currently. That's fine. You, you did Halloween, the Halloween series. Yeah. 
and there oh have my been God. films so that have come out since, right? We did Halloween 2 together, Rob Zombies, also uh-huh. hated. We are now the, like, we're the, the, the horror movie Lost Cause patron saints. Yeah, yeah, we're like the vanguard <laughs> of, yeah. yeah. Do you but have like, a hated horror movie that you want someone to passionately defend? We're your guy. We're your peeps. We're here. <laughs> we got you. You. <laughs> you know, so like if you look at some of the 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 last, the most recent Halloween sequels, mm. like, and I'm not saying that there's no merit to those films. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying, no. it's the same old shit, man. Yeah. Well, I think they do a like, lot good, right? I like the new Halloween yeah. series. There is a as uh, Pinhead says in the last, not a deficit of flesh, a deficit of ideas. Right. There's a lot of kind of the same thing mm-hmm. over and over again. Yeah. No, Halloween got a movie that said, hey, what if this is an ancient druidic curse? <laughs> right. And people went, eh, I don't want to think that and much. And nobody wanted it. And-, and they yanked it out. Right. That was an awesome storyline. You know, so I, I think... It's like, give credit where credit is due. Yeah, hell yeah. Ten movies into the Hellraiser franchise. Earth and there's, idea. Yes. And there are some really fascinating places that they're taking this story to. Yeah. They're adding to the lore in yeah. an interesting way. Not I'm in trying just to like think. a, so, let's just keep regurgitating the same thing over and over. Way. Absolutely. It's cool. So Friday the 13th, the 10th movie would be based on your counting Freddy versus Jason or the reboot, right? Mm. Fine movies, not a lot of ideas. You know what I mean? Halloween, you've got, you'd be in Rob Zombie territory. New ideas, people got mad at that. They didn't like it, right? Yeah, people were mad. People hated Halloween too. (laughs) Hate that fucking movie. Um, Not a lot of other franchises even get up that high true you know i mean a lot of the franchises i love i mean nightmare on elm street made it close to 10 right you could be talking about reboot territory and freddy versus jason is in that that range um again not big ideas the friday or the nightmare on elm street reboot just said oh yeah he was definitely a diddler (laughs) you're like well we knew we didn't have to like put such a bow on it but yeah you know what i mean um i i appreciate that they weren't Again, especially Hellraiser often suffered from the spec script that just has Penhead forced into it. This took the the spec script angle, right? The we want to make seven. Mm-hmm. It's kind of Inferno felt like a movie that Penhead did not belong in and then was put in. This is not that. The serial killer story specifically weaponizes the Hellraiser, Hellraiser icons to devastating effect, I think. Yeah. Right, it feels like an actual fully formed Hellraiser idea, and I really love that. Right, if this had been the end, I think this is a wonderful, terrific send off for the Hellraiser franchise. But it's not. We have another one tomorrow. We're gonna find out that poor angel is the new uh, Pinhead, and I'm gonna have scored some genius <laughs> points. No. Uh, but that's what I mean. I didn't expect to want more Pinhead or need it after Doug Bradley. Right. I think what we've seen is that Pinhead and the Hellraiser mythology has so much more flesh to explore. Absolutely. Right? That these characters and this idea, they fit across all times, demographics. I mean, 
we'll never live at a point where people are unsatisfied and go looking for the answers to why we're so miserable. Yes. And, and at judgment reinstilled in me the faith of like, oh, well, if Doug Bradley's not doing it, the further we are from Clive Barker, I'm out. I I felt rejuvenated. I was like, give me mm. another fucking 10 Hellraiser movies. That's how I felt at the end of this. And I think that has a lot of value. No, I hear you. I think, and that's, that goes to, that just goes to say how, how amazing Clive Barker's creation is. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, and, and I think sometimes there's, it's really easy to get into that attitude of like, you know, number 10 of a franchise is shitting all over the original and it's watered down. But I think in this case, none of them, none of them touch the genius of the first Hellraiser and of Clive Barker's, um, the story and the characters and the mythos that he created. There's so much depth and and there's so much to explore about the Hellraiser story. Mm-hmm. And you can continue to do these and there's something interesting to be said and there's something interesting to explore. 10 movies later. Yeah. Well, how about like, that? Even the one little you know? crime scene when it was just like hands with zip ties on them holding teeth and eyeballs. <gasps> Oh, in that jars was cool. of blood. Like, that's a great visual. That's just shoehorned yeah. in there. We talked for an hour. We didn't even talk about that. That was cool. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I mean, come yeah, on. That's that was cool. just, uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just not here to pretend that this movie's not awesome. I think what we'll see, right? Me and Alex started and you helped us finish this off, right? The Hellraiser series has a lot of high highs and some pretty bad lows, right? The one thing none of the movies were bad enough to do is make me want less pinhead in my life. Yeah. And by the end of Judgment, I cannot wait to return to the world of the Cenobites. And I'm so full of hope and optimism for the new Hellraiser movie and hopefully a fuckload more of new Hellraiser movies. Um, I just feel very inspired, man. I think I think it really achieved a lot. I don't know. I might have to jump it up over Inferno, and that would make it a top four Hellraiser movie for me. I feel like and we just talked me into it. I feel all pumped that's up. That's significant. After that. That's significant. My hope is is that tomorrow's episode on the new Hellraiser movie, the 2022 Hellraiser, will jump way up that list too. It's going to be a tall order to jump over number one, but if this is the second best Hellraiser movie ever, God forbid, what if it's the first fucking greatest Hellraiser movie ever? I cannot wait. I am sure that we will enjoy it. Uh, you sadly will not be able to join us because in the future you will be on vacation as we do it. <laughs> but I'm sure you'll be enjoying Hellraiser. I will uh, be with you in spirit. Yes. Right? As long as you're enjoying and watching the movies. I hope you I had a good time. I can't wait to listen to your coverage of it. Oh, I'm so excited, man. I hope you uh, enjoyed this tail end. Again, and I, I might have mentioned this in one of the three. When I asked you to help fill in. I said, if you hate these movies so much, I gave you a whenever you want to quit card. I was fully prepared to talk about all three of these by myself because I didn't think you would like them at all. So it was a pleasure having you along. Uh, I think this was a really good ending of this franchise. I think we did some good work here, Carmelita. 
I do too. I, you know, I watched these over the course of two days. It was the first watch. Yeah. For all three of them. <laughs> I had a lot of fun watching them. I had a lot of fun yes. thinking about them like in preparation. Yes. And of course I knew we would have fun talking about them. And we did. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I'm just, I'm just going to say Phil Malcolmist listeners, listen. <laughs> If you're one of those folks that hates this movie, so be it. That's okay. That's fine. It's all subjective. Everybody. No, it's not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I would say maybe after you listen to this episode, maybe go back and Give it watch again, it. Man. Give it again. Dude. You might, you might, like we might have stirred something in you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I agree. I, I've always told people one of my favorite episodes of our show ever was the Halloween 2 one we did. Because I felt like we were so out of step with everyone else in the world. <laughs> it felt like we needed to get that out of our systems. And it was great. Right. And that's how I felt today, too. Yeah, um, there's there's a lot about this film, about Hellraiser Judgment, that is worthwhile. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's it for Hellraiser Judgment. Not quite the end of Hellraiser, because we'll be back tomorrow to discuss the brand new Hellraiser 22, hot off the presses. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we fucking love it. If we don't, you will notice that there is no Hellraiser episode tomorrow. <laughs> 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 so if the podcast that drops tomorrow is not Hellraiser, you'll know something went terribly wrong. <laughs> something went and wrong. And you'll be prepared to start your Wishmaster franchise. If we made it through Wishmaster 3, we can make it through any Hellraiser. You can, I can make it through any Hellraiser. Um, so you guys know the deal. The horror movie Mega Marathon, 31 days, 31 pods. An enormous undertaking we can only do with the help of our great friends like Carmelita. Um, we put in a lot of effort uh, hoping to give you guys something special every October. If you could help us out with a little support, patreon.com slash pod is the best way to do that. Uh, a big exclusive library. We have commentaries. We have some mini series coming. All kinds of fun stuff over there. Gives you a voice in the stuff we cover, right? So we really work hard to try to make sure that's worth your time and support. So please do that if you can. Uh, the email, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. The YouTube is filmalchemist. Uh, share it all over your socials, right? That's something free and easy you can do to help us draw more people, right? Be our little puzzle boxes out there recruiting <laughs> for us. That's what we want. Uh and five-star ratings and reviews wherever you can. I will be back tomorrow to see you uh, for the Hellraiser series finale. We have a long way to go in our October Mega Marathon. I hope you're all having as much fun as we've been. Uh, one more time, thank you so much uh, for helping me finish this out, Carmelita. You can find her again later in the month uh, during her Night of the Demon episode, which was fucking awesome to talk about as well. Do you want to tell the people where they can find you before we jump out of here? Sure. Film Alchemist listeners can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd. Same handle for both, Carmelita Says. That's right, at Carmelita Says. All right, guys, we will be back tomorrow. Bye. Bye, friends. <laughs>